When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better staff. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So number one issue in the CPA world right now is recruiting. Um, how do we how do we find the recruits? How do we get them in? How do we compete with them? How do we deal with uh, um, re- remote uh, work versus in-house work? Um, how do we how do we keep them? What are they looking for? I mean, all of these questions are things that every one of us and I've, I've been doing this for forty years. I've had a CPA firm for the last thirty years, and we have the same questions. Only now. We have a very tight labor market continuing to get tighter and um, it's not going to get better. Uh, Not with uh, 87,000 new IRS auditors out there uh, soon to come. So we're going to be struggling. So what do we do about that? What kinds of questions do we ask in the interviews? What, what types of things do we have to look for? How do we find these people? Because it's almost like finding a needle in the haystack right now. And with me, I have a very, very, very special guest. Um, Christina Morris is actually our, our recruiter for our WealthAbility Recruiting. So we have our own recruiting company um, that we formed. Uh, Christina Morris is our partner in this recruiting company. She has an amazing experience. And I'll let you, uh, uh, Christina, uh, I'll let you share your experience with everybody, but it's just such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being a part of the show today. So if you will, just give us a little bit about your background, Christina, because you've got an amazing background. Absolutely. So I started out in uh, really in the HR generalist field over 20 years ago and uh, was introduced into all aspects of human resources back then and uh, found my niche in recruiting. Um, so I am I'm kind of like a matchmaker only for employers and candidates. And uh, I really found my specialty in, in analyzing people. I'm still a very analytical person um, and I love to talk with candidates talk with candidates, talk with hiring managers, analyze their needs and find the perfect match. Um, So I've been doing that for over 20 years now. Uh, I worked with uh, your firm, Wheelwright Manahan, several years ago. Uh, We started working together and so was very excited about this partnership that we formed to create the WealthAbility Recruiting aspect. Uh, We're helping so many of the the, um, members in the WealthAbility uh, network to identify the right talent and um, to really help to build out their teams so that they can continue to be successful in in, in their um, practice and take on more clients. Awesome. So let, let me ask you this question. You're talking about um, finding the right candidates. Okay. So how do you identify what candidates you're looking for. I mean, to me, like we were talking earlier before we started recording about uh, one of um, our mutual 
clients actually that was looking for somebody and turns out they they kind of fought through it until they got to what they really needed how do you how do you determine that on the front end how do you figure out okay what kind of person do i need what what kind of what what kind of person am i looking for um what is that ideal person how do you go about that well i think it takes a little bit of self-awareness right in in identifying what you need for your firm right you've got to know what is your work style um, what type of people succeed in this environment and what type of people have not succeeded, right? So this isn't a very HR way to look at things, but I'm going to say it anyways. I'll ask people, who was your best employee? Who, who was your worst employee? Now tell me why, right? And it's typically not something that you see on a resume. It's not usually, hey, this person had five years of experience and this person had three. It's usually something to do with their work style or personality aspect or something like that. So you really want to, as a, as a firm owner or as a hiring manager, really dive into some of those details going into the process to identify what you're looking for, because that can save a lot of time of going through a lot of interviewing and then discovering, oh, wait, that's not even the right position that I'm hiring for. That's not the right personality that I'm looking for. Right. I, I think that's so important because you, you describe yourself as a matchmaker. Mm -hmm. And so what you, you know, it's not like you're trying to just fill, put bodies in seats, right? You're trying to put the right person on the right bus in the right seat. Yeah. Right. Um, to use the, the good to, to great vernacular. Yes. So how, how do you, what are some of the things that, that uh, you suggest that, um, you know, the, the, recruiter looks for in other words the the hiring manager the the partner who's doing the recruiting what should they be looking for and how do they identify that um uh, besides looking at the resume right well one of the things that um i think is really helpful is understanding this concept that past performance typically will indicate future performance, right? Now we all grow in our positions. We're not going to perform the exact same over time. Hopefully we're taking experiences and growing from those, but you wanna ask questions in a way that allows candidates to talk about their past experience, not hypothetical situations, right? So a lot of us, when we're interviewing candidates or talking with them about things, we're asking things from a hypothetical perspective. Um, you know, what would you do if a client asked you for a refund because they were unhappy with services? Well, even I could probably come up with the right answer to that, right? And I can assure you, if you hire me as a tax manager, I will fail miserably. <laughs> so you don't want to ask questions from the perspective of uh, allowing somebody to just kind of fudge their through the answers, right? Or, or tell you what you want to hear. If you truly want to find the right match, then that there's not a good candidate or a bad candidate, right? We get so caught up into in this good and bad. There's only right and wrong for you and for your position. So you want to ask questions that really allow you to get to know the candidate. The other thing that I see a lot of hiring managers do is they talk the entire interview. So uh -huh. if you're talking you're not learning, right? So you want to, yes, give them a little bit of information. You don't want them to walk away from the interview not knowing anything about your firm or what you're doing or who your target audience, who your target client base is. But if you talk the whole time, you've walked away knowing nothing more about that candidate than you did when you started. Yeah, you, you make a good point there. We always say in, in sales that uh, the person who is 
talking is losing the sale. Yes. And so the, it, it should be, you want to talk no more than a third of the time. That would be the maximum that I would want any salesperson to be talking because you want to find out about them. The, you're interviewing them. They are also interviewing you, but you're interviewing them. Who's going to win the sale, right? right. That's, I mean, that, that's the thing I look at. We're in a recruiting situation. We're in a sales process. And so is the candidate. The candidate is trying to evaluate you. Do I want to be here? The candidate is trying to, um, to sell themselves um, that, that, you know, you should take me. And then you're trying to say, well, wait a minute, you're, you're on the other side of this. So how do you win that sale and make that, that proper evaluation? So what are some of the few things that, that you look for? I mean, for example, you said that um, you, you want to make sure it's a, the right match for your firm, even starting with your firm. So for example, in our firm, we are very, um, we give people a lot of responsibility right from the beginning. I mean, they're going to talk to clients. I would say most CPA firms, uh, you don't talk to a client for the first five to six years of your um, of your employment there. In our firm, you'll talk to them within six months right. of, of that. So we're going to give you a lot more responsibility, a lot more client contact. So how important is it to uh, really look for those people that will thrive in your environment? Oh, that's, that's paramount, right? So I would say, for example, um, in, in this example, you would start even at the point that you're developing the job description, the job posting, posting out on social media, right? You're going to focus on that aspect of the job because that's what's going to pique the attention of the person that you want. If you're stuck in a position where you have no client contact, I have a candidate who's looking right now for that exact reason. She went to a firm, it's too large, it's a, it's a, you know, tax mill. She no longer has any contact and communication with clients. She wants the interaction, right? So now if, if I go out on LinkedIn and I share something with my network and say, Hey, if you're really looking for the opportunity to manage your client relationships yourself, take a look at this job post. You know, it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be fancy, um, but you want to identify who you're looking for and then you want to appeal to that person. So if I just went out there and posted, you know, tax manager, this particular candidate may or may not look at that, right? She is looking for a new position because she doesn't have client interaction, but how does she know that she wants this job so that she gets that opportunity to interact more with clients? So we want to put that information out there, first of all. Then we want to, as we're talking with candidates, because we may or may not know if the candidate truly has the skill set and the ability to to manage client relationships, right? You've got to have a certain communication style. You've got to, uh, you know, approach things in a certain way. And uh, so then you would take a look at your interview process and what questions are you asking, right? So you've identified a core competency of the role. Now you want to ask questions around that core competency. And in this case, what you would be asking about is client communication. I would recommend that you ask those questions from a perspective of looking at past performance because that's going to tell you something about future performance. So rather than uh, asking, how would you manage this client relationship or how would you go about this situation instead asking them in the fashion of tell me about a time 
when you've had to manage a client relationship or tell me about a time when a client was upset about XYZ and you had to uh, handle that situation. What did you do? What action did you take? And what was the result, right? Because that's going to give an example of whether or not that person handles things in the the way that you want them to handle it. And you actually get information about that person. It's also very hard to lie about your experience when you're asking about specific examples, right? And I hate to say that, but that's a big concern on people's mind is, is how do I know that this person has the experience that they say they have? And, and they want to do all these tests and this and that. And, and tests and assessments can be great, right? But we all know those people that graduated from school with a 4.0, but they can't manage their way through life to stay, you know, so a, a test can be great, but using this approach to your interview style will help you assess that without having to pay for uh, tests and assessments and some other things. And you can usually tell um, as you start to dig deeper because you ask probing questions when you start to do that. Oh, your client was upset about that. Tell me, what did you do? Oh, really? Well, then what happened? Right. And yeah, so, okay, so you've got to keep asking the follow up questions. You, mm -hmm. you can't stop with the first answer. Um, I think that's priceless. So uh, you talked a little bit about social media, you talked about posting job descriptions. Um, now, of course, I, I presume you're a little biased because you're a professional recruiter. Um, but there are a lot of online services out there. There's a lot of social media. A lot of accountants are on LinkedIn. Um, my question is, do you use uh, just the, you know, the online recruiting service? Do you do one of those services? Do you hire a, what we typically think of as a headhunter that's just kind of throwing resumes at you, uh, like a Robert Half, for example, or do you go out and actually go as far as like an executive search or, you know, how do you decide what, you know, what intensity of search that you're going to do because the, the, the price points can be wildly different and how much time you take can be wildly different too. Right, right. So I would say if you're looking at an executive or retained search, you're typically looking for somebody high end, somebody that you know is going to take a lot of digging to find, and you've got a long time period to wait right? Because those, those searches take, they can take six to 12 months, right? That's, that's uh, an expensive search, but can be very, very worth it. Now you have to have the money. <laughs> you have to have a pretty, you know, high level position that's, that warrants that. Um, I think that where external recruiters like myself can add a lot of value is that we're out there talking to candidates every single day, there is a fee that is associated with it when we identify the right candidate. So again, you do have to look at your, your funding and make sure that, uh, you know, that you can afford to invest in that search. But you also have to look at what does it cost you to have these empty seats continued month after month after month after month. Um, so I think that when you've identified that you don't have the staff or the bandwidth yourself, to go out there and do these searches, not only do the searches, but also right now we're running about a 40% no-show or cancellation rate. So that means 40% of the times on my calendar get filled up and no one shows for that interview, right? So um, 
that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time that you're investing, that you're blocking off. So it really depends on how big your team is. Can you afford to have 40% of somebody's calendar blocked off for nothing? Um, you just to sit there and wait for somebody to uh, to join a Zoom call and then they they never show up. So so you, you make you make a couple of really good points here, uh, Christina. First of all, you know, part of it is what's the value of that person being in that seat? What is that value to you? And right. when you look at it, it's not just, um, you know, the, the, it's not just the time. It's not just the cost, you know, whatever you're paying out, like to, uh, you know, a, an online service or a recruiter, but you're also looking at, okay, how much of my time do I have to take? What, what does that take away from billing my clients? What does that take away from being able to expand my client base? I found that the biggest challenge that um, our members have is capacity. How do they, which is why we we have this uh, new, this uh, um, partnership with you, is that people don't have enough capacity because there's so few CPAs coming into the profession. Now we have the IRS adding 87,000 new auditors um, over the next few years. And that means a lot more work um, without a lot more staff. So it, the competition is higher. Um, so the question is, to me, while CPA, I like to joke that CPA st sometimes stands for cheapest people in America, we have to look at the actual cost of what it's costing you. One of the things I've loved about working with you, Christina, is that um, you don't just throw resumes at me. I mean, you're, you are interviewing them. You are making sure that they are a good fit. You are making sure that, okay, this is, this is an appropriate person. Um, for the the situation. And, and then you've worked with us too. So, um, you know, that's the other thing is how do you find a good, how do you find a good recruiter? Well, I think that a lot of finding a, a good recruiter is a bit of trial and error, right? Because you don't know that that person's going to throw resumes at you until they start throwing resumes at you. Um, I would recommend asking in advance, what is the process, right? Um, how do you go about identifying uh, identifying the right talent for us and at what point do you send us resumes. So I can tell you the reason why our members are not inundated with resumes is because I'm doing the screening up front and I don't see myself as a salesperson. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. Now I know that that's, you know, debatable, right? But I'm trying to match. I am analyzing. So I need to analyze you as an employer. What do you need, right? And oftentimes it takes a couple of misses in the beginning because you may say, hey, I'm not a micromanager. But then I find out, well, yeah, you kind of are. So that changes my approach, right, in terms of who you need. And, you know, people, people like to associate this tag of good or bad to things nothing is really ever good or bad. It's just being honest about what you are and finding the right fit, right? And that's with candidates and it's with employers as well. You want to be really honest about what you're looking for and what a good fit is. And typically I'll figure that out, even if you don't recognize it, right? I'll figure it out through a couple of placements or through a couple of resume submissions and what you're looking for. I talk to the candidate afterwards. I talk to the hiring manager afterwards and I get feedback from both sides. Once you start working with a recruiter, that's when the real value starts kicking in because the recruiter starts to figure out what's your style, who works best in your environment. And as they're out there talking to people, 
This just happened yesterday with one of our members. They didn't have a position posted, but I talked to somebody and I thought, hmm, I think his attitude could really be appreciated at this firm. I'm going to send his resume over and just see if they're interested. And sure enough, they are. So that happens organically when you're working with a recruiter and they may or may not hire this individual, right? It may or may not work out. But the point is, they would never see that resume otherwise. This person's never going to go on their website. They don't even have a job posted, quite honestly. Right. So all those transactions just don't happen if you're not working with somebody who's talking to people every single day. Um, so you take that risk, right, of just not being exposed to the talent that is out there that are not, they're not out there actively seeking jobs in most cases. In yeah, most that's a good, that's a good point. We were, um, we were talking earlier about uh, one of our most recent hires, who's been one of the best hires uh, I've made in years and years and years. That was um, a connection I made just by chance. This person was not um, looking, they were not on anybody's website. And actually it was this, this uh, this young woman's parents who actually were at the same seminar I was at and we were chatting. They said, oh, I said, we're looking for somebody. And they said, well, my our daughter does this. And I'm going, oh my heavens, that sounds like a, such a good fit. And it turned out to be a terrific fit. She's been actually absolutely a terrific addition. So I think that, you know, when you're out there looking, you know, that was, and I can't take any credit for that. That was just pure luck on my part. Whereas I know with you, you're constantly looking for that. You have that pipeline of people and you're constantly knowing you understand your clients and, and what they need. Let me, let me, let's wrap up with one, you know, one big question that's going on right now, which is there's a lot because there's so much competition, right? And, and there's mm -hmm. this tendency to take people that aren't exactly right for us because we're just looking, I mean, frankly, we're looking for bodies in the seat because it's so hard to put, you know, bodies in the seat. So, but now we've got this whole additional aspect of, I want to work remotely versus I want to, versus coming into the office. You've got people yes. in um, Iowa competing with people in New York for positions in New York. Mm -hmm. right? And the people in Iowa say, well, I can take a little less money and I'm, you know, and so that's a tougher competition, but at the same time, now they're getting New York prices. And how do you compete when you're in Oklahoma and trying to get somebody right? Who's competing? I mean, all of this is like so challenging to work through. How do you work through this whole remote versus in the office um, aspect? Well, I think that uh, this is a, a huge point right now, right? I will say 99 out of 100 people that I talk to want remote work. So in the last three months, I've maybe talked to three people that said they were willing to go into the office. They didn't say they want to go in the office. They mm -hmm. said they're willing. So if you aren't offering remote work, then your, your search is going to be a lot harder. It's going to take a lot longer. And you need to plan for that, right? Now, of course, my recommendation would be, let's figure out why, why remote isn't an option. Sometimes it's truly not, but sometimes it is an option. It just, you haven't figured out the logistics yet. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of firms that are offering it that have figured out a way to do it. And I'd recommend, you know, there's some, some webinars out there even on it. Um, and I, I think that learning how to take your firm virtual is going to be a huge uh, 
uh, talking point here in, in the coming months. It already is, right? But if you haven't learned how to take your firm virtual yet, then it, it needs to be on your it needs to be on your list of things to evaluate because it opens up a lot of options for you. There is a lot of variability between salaries, between uh, locations. But what I've found quite honestly is that most firms are, are they're just willing to pay what's consistent uh, in range for the positions that they're offering. Now, yeah, we have some smaller firms that are located in some uh, you know, lower cost of living areas that, that feel a little bit of pain, right? They may have to up the salary range for a position by, let's say, $10,000, sometimes $15,000, but they'd rather pay that $10,000 and be able to handle more clients, right, and handle the client load than to keep their salary range $10,000 less and have an open seat. Um, so, But it's definitely something that needs to be factored in as you're doing your budgets and everything else that you may have to stretch your salary ranges a little bit because um, we're opening up, we're opening up really to more of like a nationwide salary band. So when you do salary uh, comparisons, you can look at specific to a location or you can do nationwide throughout the country. It's almost like with this remote work, we now just have to be looking at nationwide salary bands instead of specific. Interesting. So, mm -hmm. so, um, final question, maybe almost, uh, <laughs> my, my final question is, so what is it, you know, if, if you could give the top three things that young professionals, um, CPAs, tax professionals are looking for in a position. So, um, you know, you know, you have everything from, you know, are they, is, is ESG really, you know, important to them? Is it, is it, is it culture? Is it team? Is it money? Is it location? Is it remote work? If you could, can you kind of uh, just drill down just the top three things that they're looking for in, yeah. in your experience? Absolutely. So I, I think I would put remote work as number one, only because they won't look at your culture. They won't look at anything else about your position. That's it a deal killer. It, it just is a deal breaker right out of the gate. So they're not even going to get to any of the other. Um, salary has been somewhat negotiable, but people are now demanding higher salaries. They know they can get it. They know they're in high demand. They know if you won't offer it to them, someone else will. That said, they sometimes are willing to negotiate on salary for number three, which is culture, right? People are starting to figure out that they want to be happy. They want some form of work-life balance if we can have that in this industry, right? Um, they are starting to align their interests and their passions with their day-to-day -day job. And so culture is really important. So you need to be thinking about what's your employer brand. I know there's other, pod, you know, other uh, people that you've interviewed on the podcast about that. Think about who your target client is. Think about what your brand is and really start to dial in because people are attracted to that. This person that you just hired that's such a great fit is such a great fit because you have a brand and this person was referred to you for your brand. So if your brand is supporting small businesses, guess what? Somebody's going to be passionate about supporting small businesses. But if you don't have your brand out there anywhere for anyone to to hear about this, then 
you know, that's that's where I come into play, right? And I can help out with that because I learn about you and I learn about what your passions are and what your focus is for your firm. But if you want to make it available to a wider audience, you've got to be out there on your social media platforms. You've got to have a, a feel on your website or, you know, something to indicate to potential candidates what your culture is like, what your firm is passionate about and who you're looking for. Thank you, Christina. Those are those are terrific, Christina. Thank you. Very practical. Um, remember, everybody, this is uh, you can listen to this over and over again, and I'd highly recommend it. Uh, Christina, if somebody wanted to know more about uh, WealthAbility Recruiting, where would they go? Absolutely. You can actually email me direct at Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at WealthAbility.com, or you can check out our website at uh, WealthAbility.com or Recruiting.WealthAbility.com. Awesome. Thank you, Christina Morris. And just remember that, you know, it's really, you know, we keep saying, well, they're higher salaries and all this, you know, it's expensive and all that. But really, if we have better clients, right, then we can build the clients more, we can do more for the clients, and we can actually pay more for our staff and life becomes better because that's when we have better clients, a better practice and better life. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.